Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors... Cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with Naomi Attaway, and she is a noted speaker, published author, and she's talked about community building, change in leadership, repatriation, and life abroad. She's also recognized as a thought leader in the international and global community. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is what it's like to live across cultures and what it's like to actually build communities that can actually make a true impact. Use your difference to make a difference, if you will. Welcome to the show, Naomi. Thank you, Teo. It's so good to be in the same space with you again. Yes, yes. We met, I want to say, is it almost four years ago, three and a half years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Four years ago, we were speaking together at Families in Global Transition in D.C. We were. We were. I'm actually headed down to D.C. uh, tomorrow morning. Funny how things walk around because you were talking about I'm a triangle then. Yeah. Now you've got this I'm a triangle movement that's over 60,000 people. And that's what we're going to be talking about with the podcast. And I was talking about use your difference to make a difference at that time. And it's it's funny to see how things happen when you build communities and you basically allow that to, to spearhead a movement that you're trying to promote. Well, and I think for you also, it's been fun to watch your journey because you started it um, because you saw a need and you saw something you could step into and really make a difference. Um, and I think it's the same. Like we both, <laughs> it, the trajectory and the journey has been funny for both of us. It's, yeah, no, it's funny. I'm glad to dive in. I'm, I'm eager to dive into all that today. So let's start with your journey first. Let's introduce you to the audience. Obviously, you, you're someone that has had a successful uh, real estate career. You know, you've, you're the owner of Eighth and Home, and that's a company in Northern Virginia. But how did you really grow up and how did you um, get to where you are today that you are really building an amazing community? You know, that's a really great question. And it's funny because um, I spoke at the last Families and Global Transition Conference just this last year. And in preparing for that, I was doing a lot of soul searching around community building. And I realized that it started with me from a very young age. I was homeschooled 
in very rural Nebraska um, in the United States before it was legal to do so. And so I watched my mom very intentionally create community around us so that we had what we needed growing up, whether that was um, in terms of our curriculum or in terms of our social engagement that we needed. Um, she, she did that for us. Um, the other piece of it comes into play, I think, because I'm bira- biracial. My father is black and my mother is white. Um, I was born in the early 1970s when it wasn't um, quite so um, typical to see a mixed yeah. couple um, getting married. Um, and so I think for all of those reasons, I've always been one to seek out what I can bring to other people and what I can get from people that could help me grow. Um, and that's kind of the definition of community is having a place where you belong. Um, and I've, I've been on a constant search for that, I think. That's, that's so fascinating to me. And you are right about the fact that a lot of times that this can, you can trace it back to your formative periods of your life, but you, you talked about the community and, you know, growing up in a mixed family and everything that you've done with, with, uh, with what you've done in your work. How did you get involved in the expat community? So, um, I actually don't like the word expat. I, that you, you know what? See, how did you get involved in the new word that you're about to tell me, community? That's so funny. Um, I stayed put in Nebraska um, my entire growing up years. I met my husband um, it, when I was around 30, and he had been living overseas um, long term with Delta Airlines, and so that was kind of my first foray into living overseas. We took our family to New Delhi, India. We lived there for three years. And then we lived in Singapore for um, one year. And it was kind of a jump in. And we just kind of said, why not? We moved obviously for his career, but it ended up being so much richer of an experience, um, much more than just going overseas for a job. Um, And the reason I don't like expat is I think that it's, um, it's too confining um, and has some um, colonialism tied in with it that I, I would love to see kind of just abolished, um, you know, in terms of what word to use. Um, I don't really have a good answer for that, but um, I think internationals uh, or global citizens could be a little bit more fitting and a little more inclusive. No, I hear you. So when you say colonialism is uh, embedded in it, what do you mean by that? Um, I, I just think that going back to the early days of when expat or expatriate was starting to be used, it typically was white families who were being sent with packages, um, financial packages, to places where white people were not the um, controlling race in a place. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of um, have and have nots or um, I don't know. There's just a lot tied up with that. Um, Interesting. I think that the other piece of it, too, um, also comes into play when you have immigrants um, and then discussing the whole hidden immigrant um, phenomenon where people look as though they should belong, but they are true immigrants. Um, and that plays into race as well, which that kind of gets me um, on a, on a side note, but <laughs> uh-huh. I just think that we need to be more aware consciously of the words that we use when there could be some back story um, involved. It's interesting. I, I've never seen the word expat that way, but it's, I do agree that, um, certain words for sure. We definitely need to be more aware. And I, I think a lot of times we lose the, the essence and the meaning of the words because we don't trace it back to that, to the right history. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure someone listening is thinking, I never thought of expat that way. So, well, and a lot of times, so in the, I'm a triangle community. A lot of times it gets brought up, um, 
just around that package that typically goes or has in the past gone with a corporate expat. Um, and a lot of like missionaries, international development folks that I talk to, um, people that are kind of in the field, very few of them ever refer to themselves as expats. Um, so yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting to see what your audience thinks around that topic. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of opinions, but I, that's the point of the show. I, I love the fact that people like yourself can come on and talk about why you feel the way you feel. And then it's completely okay. We, we, you know, that's the, it's the world we live in and you, you raise a lot of valid points. I'm curious about, so this, let's talk about your, your career as a, as a global citizen. Let's put it that way. As a, <laughs> as a global citizen, what did you learn about yourself throughout this period when you were in India and you were in like a different country and you, you saw yourself as, as someone that was really the minority there? Well, it's interesting because I am biracial. I actually fit in um, and didn't look different um, in terms of my physical appearance. Um, in fact, a lot of people asked me just because of my curly hair. I don't know what it, what it was um, if I was Bengali. Really? Um, yeah. So that was fascinating. It, it was also fascinating because from a physical appearance standpoint, we had friends that were um, living on an international posting assignment who had blonde children. And they were constantly the source of attention when we would go out or be in markets. And my kids never were. <laughs> um, so it was kind of interesting to just see that difference. But one of the things I think I learned about myself during the process was that I'm stronger than I gave myself credit for. I think that when you take advantage of living outside of your passport country, um, you can sometimes have some crazy things thrown at you. Um, and then through that, you realize your resilience and your ability to adapt um, and grow through situations. Yeah. No, I, I, for me, I think oh, I definitely agree with that. You just learn a lot by yourself. I mean, you learn a lot about your growth and what you can take. And I was laughing at the experience with uh, your friends, your children's blonde friends, because my experience when I lived in Vietnam was the opposite. I, I was, uh, me and my brothers and my family, we were the uh, anomaly because we were the only black family yeah. by a mile. So I, I, I always loved those juxtaposition where in some countries it's because you're white, other countries it's because you're black. And um, it was an interesting experience. And I, I, you know, to this day, you know, Vietnam is one of my favorite countries. But the thing that that let me know is the importance of exposure, the importance of, of um, how many people might not see the world the way you see it. And, and right. you know, being being called Kobe Bryant or uh, Will Smith, it was, it was an interesting thing because I'm like, wow, this is this is uh, this is so fascinating to me. So, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they were taking pictures and and, and and things like that. And I was like, yeah, this is this is I, this is interesting. Um, but it just lets you know that the world is so much bigger and then there's always endless possibilities and you never know. You should never take what you have for granted. Uh, essentially, Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Um, right. So now now we can circle back to the moment we met. Obviously, we met at a conference called FIGT Families and Global Transition. I, at the time, was getting my MBA. I just moved to New York City. I was you know, at a point in my life where I left a job and I really wanted to step into my purpose. And you know, since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to influence the next set of global leaders, but I didn't right. quite know how to do it. So I was at that genesis of figuring out what it was I was truly passionate about. And I had just launched a podcast that was starting to get a lot of traction. And then- I was really starting to understand the, the power of community. A lot of people were sending me messages and emails saying, thank you for that podcast. That guest really hit home for me. The, the, the story that you highlighted on something that hasn't been talked about. I didn't know that I was a TCK. I didn't know that I was this. 
And I started to understand, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that telling your story and building and staying consistent could actually lead to a moment of, of, um, of, you know, enlightenment for some people. And you, at the same time, you were doing, you know, I am a triangle and that, that's another community. I, I'm just curious as to, you know, what you've learned since that moment, because I'm a triangle is now a thriving community with well over 16,000 people of people who are global citizens, nomads, internationals, but they're also exploring the idea of what it is that you've created with I'm a triangle. So can you talk about what you've learned since the moment we met there and why community is so important? Yeah. So I was trying to think, so it was, um, four years ago, I think, and it was just after I had started the I am a triangle community. And I think it, it must've been very small at that time. Um, the I am a triangle concept started because when we repatriated back to the United States, I had a really hard time. I had a hard time feeling as though I belonged. I didn't, I didn't really know what my identity was outside of who I'd become while being overseas. And my mom, who's a missionary in Kenya shared the concept with me. Um, she had been given it um, as a part of a debrief at um, Missions Training International. I always get that confused if it's MIT or MTI. Um, <clears throat> the basic gist is that as a passport citizen, where you call home, even though that's kind of a convoluted word for some of us, um, you're like a circle. And when you move to a host country or experience a, a very different culture, that's like a square. And after spending some time in that second culture, um, you can't stay a circle. You can't ever fully become a square. And so instead you meld into what's a triangle. And that triangle then doesn't realize its pointedness um, or its difference until it returns back to the passport country. Um, and so that really resonated with me. I blogged my version of the story, and that's um, what has been the catalyst to creating the community. Um, and, and one of the things that's been interesting is realizing how many people in our community feel stuck. Um, they feel as though they're the, not the victim, but that someone else is controlling their destiny. Um, whether they're getting moved around as a child and don't have the control, whether a company's moving them, military, uh, foreign service, what have you. Um, and so I think the biggest impact that I see happening in our community right now is when people realize they do have a story and their story matters and there's people that are willing to hear it. Um, and what I'm excited about the future for our community is starting to really ramp up and like you're doing, work on what our impact is and what our advantage is because of the experiences that we've had. Because that's, that's true power. Wow. wow. And, and I, I love that concept. You go from a circle to a square to a triangle. And <laughs> a triangle is obviously one of those, you know, in, in history, it's one of those uh, shapes that's used to yeah. symbolize a lot of things. Uh, yeah. And I was curious if you ever even... S- thought of that as you were creating that or you know like did you think about the synergy with the balance and uh, well what's that? funny is so the the concept's not mine i just i think kind of gave legs to it or mm. to it um we've been trying to track down the actual um source of it and we've been unable to um what's interesting is in the hague when we were there for the figt conference the expat archive center has a book that was um, written 20 some years ago by a bunch of shell employee wives and on the back cover it's it still gives me the chills to think about it is an imagery of a square with a circle inside of it with a triangle inside um and we contacted the person who wrote it and she said it had she had no idea of the concept but that she used it because the triangle is such a strong shape um Um, yeah so 
yeah, I'm still I'm still looking for the actual source of that concept. No, no. Well, anyone listening, if you know, if you have any detective <laughs> skills, let us know. Um, <laughs> and it's I'm a triangle.com. I believe the website will be out by the time the podcast is up, right? Yeah. So we're actually um, navigating some crazy waters. Um, we have been on Facebook for the last four years, um, growing in that way and using that. We also have um, 60 plus city locations uh, where our triangles get together in real life. Um, and on by the time the podcast airs, we will have launched our new website, IamATriangle.com. And we're doing the kind of scary um, move of leaving Facebook with our community and starting a new platform called Mighty Networks um, where we can better support our community going forward. Uh, the platform is called what? It's called Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks. Yeah, That's it's, cool. It's, it's a really amazing platform that was built specifically for the purpose of building community um, and helping to people, helping people to meet others um, that can impact their lives instead of focusing on just like-minded people who have liked or commented your stuff in the past. Well, let's, let's talk about the word impact because that, that obviously is something that's very important to you and you are trying to create a community of people to do something about the impact that they can make. Why do you feel like this is what your calling is? Um, I, I have seen too many people in my years of PTA and sports and you know, any kind of organizations that don't feel that they have enough talent or that they don't bring enough to the table. Um, I've seen way too many people sit on their hands and not raise them and not have the courage to do so. And I think that if, if I can be of help um, and help encourage people to remember what their talents are and what they can bring to the table and, and truly what value they can give to other human beings. Um, I think that starts the ripple effect um, that's needed right now. And I, I also feel like um, your nomads, you know, um, people that are in this lifestyle or have been through the experiences that we have, we have this great potential to be the kindest, most authentic people in the world. Mm. Um, and if we take that and put some sweat equity and elbow grease behind it, I mean, imagine the things that we could accomplish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, impact is a pretty big deal to me. Yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, just so that um, the listeners know you'd written a blog post that went really viral. And I, I don't know if that's what sparked you to actually create the community, but um, I remember you telling me about that blog post and kind of what you're thinking behind that. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so that is what started the community. And the reason it started the community was because people, like you said, you know, you would get people commenting on your podcast and they'd say that was meaningful to me and this is why. When people would comment on the blog post, and it, it, it was really to describe the triangle concept and then also my feeling of belonging and trying to fit in. Um, cause belong is a really powerful thing that us humans have to have in our lives. Um, and too often we are forced to instead fit in and fitting in is conforming to those around you when instead you need to find belonging, which is a community that allows you to be who you are. Hmm. Um, which is a, there's two big differences, but people started commenting in droves and I needed a place where they could support each other. Um, and that's why the community was started. Um, and I think that what's been cool to see is when someone comes in with a, con a, a question and they say something, let's, for example, what do you say when people ask you what you do when your spouse is the one earning the money and to watch people come in with supportive comments and encouragement and even challenges like volunteer, all of the volunteering that you're doing, that's what you do. Yeah. Loving and raising. Yeah. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Amazing children. That's what you do. Showing up for, for your, you know, international community. That's what you do. Um, I forgot what question you asked me because I went down a bunny trail. But <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It was basically about how that blog post led to the community. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wanted there to be a place with, where people could come for support and also give support because there's some rock stars in our community that have been around the block and have done this lifestyle for a long time. Um, and it was important for me for them to have the ability to help others um, and vice versa. No, and, and, and the only reason the only reason I asked that question is because I, I, I know how truly passionate you are about this, but I also want people listening to understand that that came from a blog post. You know, mm-hmm. and and a lot of times people are, are you know they have self limits and beliefs. They think my writing my truth is not going to resonate with anyone, and oh, that's a mistake people make because ah, who's who thinks like this? Who, who, who my problem is my problem? Why would I share that? What's the point of that? And, no, and that's yeah. such a great. Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 no. You, you. I'm basically passing the baton to you because I know you, you have a point on <laughs> around that. <laughs> well, and that's that was the first sentence of almost every single comment that was left on the blog was I thought I was the only one. And then they would say some variation of me too. And I think that that is a self-limiting belief that we think that our story doesn't matter or that we are the only one. And when you write or share your story from a place of your true experience, that's when you're truly um, opening yourself up to other people finding you, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's the beginning of your, your impact and your ripple effect in the world. For sure. And it leads to what you said, belonging, right? You know, belonging, you yeah. said it's different from um, fitting in, I, I, uh, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, belonging is, I, I think if I'm going to paraphrase, you, correct me if I'm wrong, you're talking about, you know, in being in a community of, it's, I guess it's moving beyond just like-minded people, people that accept you for who you are, and they actually cheer you on to be the best version of yourself. That, and I think there's one more layer to it that I've seen happen in our community because I watch our community develop and I watch it ebb and flow and, and watch what's happening. And the other element to that is that when you belong to a community um, that isn't just like-minded people, though, you're consistently being challenged to expand your thinking. Mm. Uh, we have a lot of dialogue around, that's not what I believe, but please tell me more. Um yep. That's not how I was raised to believe, but please tell me more. Hmm. Because until we start to do that as human beings, we're not going to get anywhere. Right. Uh, well. you know, we don't always have to agree, and we don't have to come from the same place. In fact, none of us come from the same place. And we ourselves grow and change as we age and, and move through this life. But until we start saying, tell me why you believe that, 
it's it's a hopeless effort. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I imagine that happens with the expat word um, sometimes. Maybe some people might True. disagree with you. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing I also wanted to point out, though, we have we live in interesting times, right? Regardless of where you stand in politics or whatever, but if you look at the world, you know, from Europe to here, there are people that have strong opinions on either side. Yeah, I imagine in your group, have you seen those? Because um, <laughs> I saw a rule in your in your in your in your Facebook group, you said no politics. But I'm curious when something like this, something I like the last two years happens, where it really impacts people's personal lives. How yeah. do you manage that conversation? Did you modify oh. the rule? Did you say no, no, still not talking politics? Doesn't matter. So that is a really good, very heated question. So when um, the last United States election happened and when Brexit happened, um, our group blew up. It was on fire. Um, me and the other gal helping me moderate at the time didn't sleep for two days because it was so, our group was so um, injected with passion and fear and questions. And so what we decided to do was, was have this no politics rule um, because we have a very strong policy on not culture bashing not bashing any of our world leaders and not bashing members. And often when our passions come into play, our fingers get typing way too fast on the keyboard and we say things that we might want to take back later. What we did to provide a space for those conversations to happen was create a group called plug in, which is politics, legislation, unity, and government. That is a space where people are allowed to talk politics. They are allowed to talk about their fears, travel bans, all sorts of things, but it's uh, we've got six moderators in that group um, and people kind of have to take this oath of respect and kindness before they are allowed to be in that group. That way it keeps the fear based posts out of the main community. Um, so that's our solution to that because it is important to talk about things that impact personal lives. Um, we just have to do it in a way that we always take a breath, stop, ask the right questions and, and first and foremost, be kind with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a tricky balance. And you know, for me, a lot of what this work has led me to do is I go into companies and I consult on diversity and inclusion. And part of the conversations <laughs> we're having is how to communicate across cultures, how to deal with bias, but also how to have difficult conversations. And you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I might be a little different uh, for me in the sense that I actually do encourage these type of conversations, but it's more about with the way I facilitate it, where we're acknowledging the fact that we're going to have, uncomfortable moments and we're going to respect right. each other's opinions, but I don't know. I always like to have it even in the largest setting, just because at this moment, um, I, I have, I had people reach out to me when I, you know, with my consultant who legitimately told me they weren't going to work. And these were CEOs saying, I don't know how I'm going to lead th- this team. I feel down. I think I'm going to take a week off. Everybody go home. And I had a 12 year old write, write me, um, and this lovely, um, lady Sophia that, that I keep in touch with. And she, 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 she wrote me about her fears and what she was doing. And I, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is just going from everyone. And, yeah. and I was like, okay, I think we got into this place because a lot of us felt like we couldn't talk. And we have all these opinions that we haven't, we haven't hashed out. And, uh, you know, it, it's very tricky because, I, like I said, I can definitely understand how you have six moderators. But I don't know. I, I've tend to, tended to lean more with figuring out the best way to facilitate that, but open up these conversations where right. if even if it's I'm in a room with a racist, I, I want to hear your thoughts and I want you to be able to hear mine. And then right. we don't have to agree, but we just have to be able to understand that we can have that conversation. 
Well, and I think part of the difference for me, and not not to say that I don't agree with what you're saying, but for me and in my um, trajectory with the community was that we did try to let that happen. We did encourage open dialogue around it, and we did want to have people be able to express their fears. What happened, though, is that, I mean, it's the term that everyone uses now, keyboard warriors, where people have a little bit more fuel behind a laptop screen than they would if they were sitting around a table. (laughs) Um, And, and this is just the truth. um, When I am sleeping, someone might be on their fifth gin and tonic. And that, (laughs) that can also (laughs) add to some of the discussions going a little bit farther than I think people are willing to look at in the face the next morning when they wake up. We've had a lot of that kind of thing happening where people said, you know what, I should have toned it down a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard discussion or a hard balance to tow with 16,000 people. We have people from every nationality, walk of life, um, faith, um, you know, and so we had a lot of, I voted for him for this reason and a lot of how dare you, you know, so there was a lot of that kind of back and forth that, um, we just decided to have moved over into that subgroup. Yeah. No, no, for sure. I mean, and then not, to, not to say there's a right or wrong answer. It's just about, it definitely is case by case. Um, and, um, different approaches, but I love the fact that you still created a platform and you said, okay, look, I know this is obviously something I can't avoid it. I mean, you are creating a community of international, um, minded people. So, you know, things like travel bans and things like Brexit and things like, you can't come here or I, I, right. I don't think these people, it definitely directly affects people. So, um, a well, and fun. I think the other piece of it too, is that if, if you look past the politics of what's happened in the last year or so, there's so much going on that I think we do stand to learn about each other oh, sure. um, and about, you know, different locations and what passports aren't allowed in certain locations and, and the slight towards, for example, redheaded people, um, in parts of the world. I mean, there's all sorts of things that it's been fascinating to learn about. Um, but until you're willing to have the conversations, those, those lessons aren't learned. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So then let's, let's go on to the next, uh, the next step would be, so you, we talked about why community is important. So how can you find one? How can you create one? And how do you get the most out of them? So I feel like, um, the process of building a community, um, whether you're the one that's building it or whether you're one that wants to find it, I think you have to go into it with the attitude of showing up. Um, if you walk into, say, a networking event, if you tell yourself, I have something of value to give to the people in that room, it changes your whole experience. And I think it's the same when you approach community, whether that's a virtual community or your new neighborhood, um, your classmates, your peers, however, wherever that community sits. If you don't walk into it and say, what are you going to give me? What can I get out of this? But instead focus on kind of taking a moment and saying, okay, I have these three key things that I'd love to share with someone, um, or I have this that I can give back. I think you find your community faster. Um, in terms of actually building one, um, you have to show up every day and you have to be ruthless with your values and why you believe that this community is important. Um, and be open to change, be open to flexing and bending kind of as your community grows and tells you what they need. Hmm. Yeah, it's that idea of, you know, staying firm on, on what it is that you want to achieve, but being flexible with the, the path to get there. Um, mm-hmm. But my my favorite point in what you really talked about was the consistency element. I think even if I'm looking back at the growth and tra- uh, trajectory that you've had, 
I, like I said, I keep saying I remember when it was just starting. And now it's at a it's a level where it's sixteen thousand people. If you had given up in any moment, and I'm sure there've been moments. I mean, you you have another company. I mean, the many moments where you could have been distracted, or you felt like, well, what's the point of this? You know, am I even getting paid for this? But if you had given up in any moment during that time, think about how you wouldn't have created a safe space for people from different parts of the world to you know to thrive. And and that's that's always a, a thing to look back on whenever you know someone feels like they're about to give up. I always say, what well, you're probably closer to your yeah. biggest breakthrough than you think you are. I agree. And I, so many people say, you know, all the greats um, say that, that when you feel like giving up, it means you're almost there. Um, and I think that that is, it's hard to remember though, when you're in the middle of trying to create something or build something, a lot of times that's a lonely space to be in. Um, so for anyone that's in that space, that's listening, who does feel like you're just not getting the traction you want. Um, I think sometimes it's important to rest. I think it's important to seek out other people who are doing either what you're doing or what you seek to do and ask them for their input or just ask for listening ears. Sometimes all you need is someone to say, you're doing a good job, keep going because often that, that curve, that precipice precipice is just around the corner. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Uh, and then, um, what's the new conversation with repatriation for you? Um, I think that the thing about repatriation that really, it's not, it's not going to go away and it's not going to go out of style is the fact that people need to be prepared for it just like they prepared for their, their leaving, um, for their post. I think a lot of people think that coming home quote unquote is going to be simple. And so they don't prepare for it. And then they're a little bit gobsmacked by the fact that it's difficult. So I think people need to understand to, to prepare for it and that there are a lot of resources out there that encourage you to look at it as another reposting, um, a new, relocation, so to speak. Um, and once you get there to explore your new communities, um, and really get to know home again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I you know, it's a, it's a very big deal. I mean, I grew up in a diplomatic family, so, you know, that mm-hmm. moving back and forth is something that's, it's definitely takes, you know, if you're not used to it you know, you're coming back to a whole new world. Sometimes you have to do some of the same things you used to do before. And it might be hard to just continue to um, to do that over a set period of time. Um, so hopefully, you know, what you're doing and creating that new conversation, you're also uh, there, there are resources that people can tap into as they become part of your group. Yeah, absolutely. So on the website, we have um, resources for those who haven't lived abroad yet, but are pondering. Those are still in the middle of it. And then people that are on their way home or um, about to repatriate. And so, We've got experts corner and videos and all sorts of different things. And then we've got really great blog contributors um, that write on all different topics, including things that are hard, like death while you're overseas, um, losing a loved one while you're far away um, and all sorts of things. So it's, it's got all sorts of goodness. And then like we've mentioned um, the new mighty networks platform where we will um, continue our community building. Love it. Love it. And then um, as we're getting ready to wrap up, I kind of want you to talk about the, uh, the next steps, what you envision. Obviously this is, a great community. Um, anytime you can say I have the attention of 16,000 people who are engaged, it, it, it's just, you know, you're moving beyond the 1,000 true fans element there. So where do you see I am a triangle going and what do you hope to achieve in the next five to 10 years? So that's, that's a good question. I, um, I am not certain how the next step will go because a lot of people are so ingrained with Facebook. So that will be kind of a, um, a grand, um, experiment, so to speak, to see what happens with that community migration. 
Um, but what I do want to see is that we stop looking at the numbers so much and start looking at our impact. Um, we're going to be developing a philanthropic arm to I am a triangle, which is super exciting to me so that we can start connecting people who have with opportunities to be of service, whether that's volunteerism in the communities where they live or using their pocketbooks to make a difference. Um, so that's a really big thing that I'm excited about. Um, and the other piece that I, I see us going in the next five to 10 years is that the I am a triangle community will truly be a platform for those that are trying to get something amazing started and who need the audience. Um, it's so hard to get an audience. And so if you've got something that's amazing, you should be able to focus your work on your amazingness and what you're putting out and not in trying to get people to listen to it. So I'd love to see I'm a triangle becoming a platform for internationals to share their work, share their books, share their projects, um, and so forth. So those two things are probably my biggest focus for the next five to 10 years. No, I love that. That's a, that's, that's a big deal. And I love that you, you're focusing on the impact. And if you focus on the impact, the numbers will come and whatever number is right for you will be right for you. It doesn't, I think we get, uh, too romanticized with the idea that it has to be a million, it has to be two million, three million, but it's more about who we're creating, um, and what we're inspiring in people and how that can actually be the spark that ignites a movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you never know. I mean, you could have an audience of 30 and those might be the right 30 butts in the seats. <laughs> um, you know, and if you have, you look at people that are called influencers that have hundreds of thousands of followers, they might not be the people that they need. So I, I, I think that you're right. It's, it's not about the numbers. It's about having the right people um, who need to hear what you have to say. For sure. For sure. For sure. Well, Naomi, thanks, man. This has been great. I, I, um, before we go, where can people find you? And then I'll ask you the final question I always ask all my listeners. Sure. So um, I'm a triangle.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, Naomi underscore Hathaway, and I love Instagram. I am there as the relocation expert. The relocation expert. So I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Last question I always ask my guest is this. It's the mission statement of the podcast. Use your difference to make a difference. So Naomi, how do you use your difference to make a difference? <laughs> I think I uh, have figured out a way to use my difference as someone who hasn't necessarily always belonged to bring kind of in a Pied Piper way um, along others that feel the same way. And then we flip that um, to really use as you have as your tagline, embrace your global advantage. We have an amazing global advantage. Um, and it's just sometimes about remembering that or being reminded of that. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I want to thank you so much. This has been great. I love, I just love the authenticity that you have when you talk about brand building, community, and just impact. And, and, you know, there's a sense of, um, realness that comes through here as I'm listening through the audio waves here that, you know, you truly want to make the world a better place and you're trying to cultivate an environment where people feel like they can do much more than, um, um, than they think they can. So I appreciate the work that you're doing and I can't wait to see where this goes. Thank you, Teo. I'm excited to see the future for both of us. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure is mine. Ladies and gentlemen, Till next week, use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.